Yeah, and I was I was watching this movie the other night, and I had this whole debate of like because I'm reading the book right now, right? And it was just I'm sitting there like debating: is the book better? And I'm going, no, the book's unreadable, but the movie's not that watchable. <laughs> the, the movie, I feel like, from what you told me about the book, the movie has some redeemable qualities to it. Yes. I feel like there are certain things in the movie that remind me that when I watched this, you know, as like a teenager. Right. I was like, oh, yeah, this is a good movie. Right. Watching it later on, I'm like, okie dokie. Like, yeah. I see what you're doing now. Like, it's it's fine. It's baby's first <laughs> baby's first weird movie right yeah right you know it's like yeah it's it's the the like cardboard books yes of intellectually difficult movies right i yeah. think it definitely <laughs> thinks it's more intellectual than it actually is all right babes welcome to horror or nah today we are talking about american psycho is it a horror movie is it not a horror movie all other kinds of stuff is it any good today i've got my buddy joseph poinsky here Hello. with me. Hi. He's waving. You can't see that. This is an audio medium, but he's an idiot and a photographer, so it's fine. I, I only think visually. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Na, we sit down. It's a bit of a looser structure. Today is going to be a bit too because I am mildly sick because it went from like 60 degrees to 20 degrees in New York overnight. Very cold. It's awful. And my heat's not on. I was able to bust out my uh, thermals today. I Same. Yeah, I've First got them on too. The yeah. <laughs> yeah. Feels good. I love it. It's fantastic. You know what the show's about. What we do is we sit down, we bring a piece of work, a movie, a book, a painting, or whatever. This is actually two of those today. We're going to be kind of going back and forth a little about that. And these are, yeah, about pieces of work that sit on the borderline of genres and seeing what, where we decide it lands and then using that to jump off and talk about the genre at large. So it's not about, this isn't really going to be about whether or not we liked it or if it's any good at all, even. And that's going to come up a lot. I think throughout this like whole project that Most I'm likely. doing here. So, yeah. but yeah, what we want to do is just process a single property or a, I guess a duality of properties here because it is an adaptation and just to give us more information about what horror is and try and get a, a better sense of it in terms of a genre and a collective understanding and particularly, I guess, American understanding for both of us. All right. So American Psycho, it is based on a book by Brett Easton Ellis and then Obviously, this was directed by Mary Heron and written by her and Guinevere Turner. We've got Christian Bale, Willem Dafoe, Chloe Sevigny, Jared Leto, Josh Lucas, Samantha Mathis, Matt Ross. Like, everybody. Uh, Reese Witherspoon, Justin Theroux. Really good cast. Anybody you can think of from, like, the 99-2000 era is just in this movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And did you know that John Cale did the music? I did not. Yeah. And I was like, I was looking at this like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, the music's not terrible no uh, it's not it's it's very john kale it's yeah i have notes in here about the the opening credits right. initially and how just i i was like the very like little strings like the do 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 and then yeah. that slowly <laughs> progresses into a more classical mm-hmm. song goes into the the restaurant opening scene yes so i mean yeah a lot of good atmospheric work i will say it's decent atmospheric work yeah at least in a few scenes i i, I would agree with that What's also dope is that, uh, do you know who the cinematographer was on this? I do not. Andrzej Szczekula, I think is I'm saying that right. It's, he's Polish. He worked with Tarantino a bunch. He did oh, Reservoir okay. Dogs. He did uh, oh, Pulp Fiction, okay. Four Rooms. That makes sense. He also did Hackers. Oh, Famous cinematographic, ma- cinematographic masterpiece, Hackers. Hackers, yes. So that's kind of like, there's an interesting production team on this. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know. Well, Mary Heron, like I was looking into, she hasn't done a whole lot. She's got a pretty small this. body of work, yeah. Yeah, she did the Notorious Betty Page after this film. That's right. And besides that, not a whole lot of work of like really of notoriety. Yeah. Yeah, interesting that 
coming right in with this movie. Yes, it's she does a fine job. Like I don't have a I don't have too much of an issue with the direction. Like there's a few pieces here and there, but uh, some of that's going to be like issues of adaptation, which we've talked about before. We like, Cole and I just talked about that on Let the Right One In. Yeah, it, there's always going to be problems in adaptation. It's right, just, and I I want to be upfront here. I have not read the book. Yes, and I've only read about a third of it. I, right. I, it's such slow going, and I just don't. It's slow because the book is tough to read, and not in like a challenging way. It's tough in a, dear God, how many oh, times can I read boy. about fucking Veragamo suits? Right. I know he's doing a thing. I yeah. know Nadia is going to yell at us. But like, <laughs> I just, I can't, I can't, I can't, I, pr- I can't. Everybody else who we've I've talked to you about this movie and the book, everyone talks about how good the book is. Right. And I, I don't really have much of an interest in it. Yeah. So. Uh, I know that Ellis said that he didn't like that the movie gave more answers than he did. And then someone asked him, well, like, do you have answers to the, some of these questions? He goes, no, I love that I don't know what happens to the characters. And just as a writer, I'm like, fuck off. That, yeah, that seems like a pretentious non-answer. To, yeah, it yeah. means that you didn't write it well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... Best uh, advice I ever... One of, the, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got on writing was from a good friend of mine. And it's that it doesn't matter if your audience knows the answer, you always need to know the answer. Right. Where do you want to start? Well, why don't we just run through the plot real fast, okay. just for anybody who hasn't seen it. So, we got... Our pro tag, yeah. Patrick Bateman, played mm-hmm. by Christian Bale, who yep. I think we might disagree on this because I actually think he does a great job in this movie with what he's given. His face is fantastic in this movie. Oh, oh yeah. He does phenomenal facial work. It's uh, really good. Yeah. Uh, also, just so hot. Yeah. The Very attractive. The, and just like, they use a, a word in the book all the, like every other word in the book is hard body. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, just Adonis of just yeah. the most attractive man. And that, I mean, I think thematically that plays well into this because he is supposed to be outwardly the American ideal. Right. And inwardly doesn't reflect the same thing as what he shows on the outside. Definitely. Which comes up a lot in the in the movie. But yeah, just, I mean, the opening scenes of his morning routine, everything. Right. Is, the icon- that's, that, that's the iconic scene. They even did that. What was it like? Some some magazine or, or makeup company, I can't remember which one it was, but they did it with Margot Robbie a few years ago. Okay. And it was fantastic. It was yeah. really well shot and like it looked it looked super cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and seeing Margot Robbie take on the uh, Chris, or the Patrick Bateman role was super dope. Yeah, that's a cool take on it. I yeah. Like that. And she's a good choice for that too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So Patrick Bateman, he has a vague job in, in mergers and acquisitions. Yeah, some, he's, he's, a, he's a finance guy. He's finance, Wall Street. Yeah. yeah, which is, again, I think an American ideal of you're, you're just in a job that makes money. Yeah. It, your your little job is making money, and that's yeah. it. Like, There's a, I think it's somebody in Justin Theroux are talking, one of the other characters in Justin Theroux are talking, and someone's like, oh, what do they need to know that you make 180 grand a year? He goes, 190. Right. And like that difference of the 10 grand, which is a huge fucking difference, right, yeah. if you ask me. Yeah. 10 grand or more in my pocket, hell yeah. Tim more grain in his pocket's like, okay, you're just going to spend it on a fucking Rolex. So I watched this movie with my wonderful girlfriend, Shannon. We watched yeah. it together. Uh, and when he was doing his morning routine scene, she's just, she goes, this is actual YouTubers that I watch. Yeah. Like the, the exact routine is what kids are making millions doing <laughs> on YouTube now. I will say I appreciate the representation of men's skincare. Uh, as very someone who good. is, yeah. I have a very light routine. I, mine's not nearly what his. I, I have peel a my face off non-existent the routine. You gotta get. I get. I know. I'll, I'll give you. I'll get you one. Oh, thanks, Don't worry. I appreciate it's that. It's a three-step routine. It's easy. Oh, okay. Yeah, very, right. very easy. Will it make me look like Christian Bell? Will it make me look like you? Yes. Cool. Got it. That's good enough. Just like one degree hotter. <laughs> <Dope>. <laughs> 
At this at this point, he reveals that he has no emotions. He he, he talks about how they're. There is no real me. Which he talks, is, yeah, he talks about the mask while he's peeling off the gel mask. Right, yeah, yeah which a bit on the nose, but yeah, it's sure. fine. It, it it makes sense. It's and a bit on the nose goes for every piece of this work. Oh, hundred percent. It's the book is the same way. It's very, very just like okay, do you get it yet? Do you get it yet? Do you get it yet? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. right, yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I also want to talk about music because it cuts straight to I'm walking on sunshine right after yeah. that, uh, which I thought personally was a fantastic transition. Definitely, to just like. Oh, this is him in the real world, not projecting something completely different. Yeah. And also, again, context goes about what the time era and everything. I was trying to remember, though, who made that joke first? Was it American Psycho or Futurama? Because Futurama came out the year before this. Oh, really? And Walking on Sunshine is like a through line through oh, all you're, of, you're... I think, 13 seasons of that show. Hmm, I don't know. Uh, or 10 seasons of that show? No, I would have, to, I'd have yeah. more research. But yeah, no, uh, Fry like constantly fucks up Walking on Sunshine. And I think that that's like, I, it was. I was. I had that moment walking, watching this movie like a bottle of wine deep. Right. Uh, <laughs> yes, I was quite drunk watching this film as well. <laughs> we see a lot of uh, casual sexism and misogyny. Well, not that casual. He he tells the bartender that he wants to to what's the worst? He, he says he wants to put her head on a pike or something like that. Uh, well, he talks about Ed Keen, which they changed Ed Keen's name. Ed Gaines. Yeah. Well, it's but the actual serial killer was Ed Keen. Maybe there's a different Ed. Are there two Ed serial killers from potentially the northern Midwest? I mean, probably. Uh, but no, that's no, no where I was, they're all from. That was the thing I noticed. Like that, that I've been reading the book. Um, the, all the names are changed. Oh, by from like the book a letter. The, that's weird. Yeah, Lewis Crothers is the same. Patrick Bateman is the same. But like Bryce is Price in the book. Like it's Paul Allen is Paul Owen in the book weird it's so it was like a, i didn't understand the reason for the change and i looked it up i was researching everything i was like they had the rights to the book yeah why, would why you, they why changed would you, that seems like an odd it was a very weird decision yeah but we yeah we started to see more aggression towards women both yeah. casually and uh aggressive and more outward and you know things like his secretary who's played by chloe seven chloe there we go yeah uh, i want to see a dress or a skirt you're, yeah, you're too pretty for wearing like a cashmere sweater i like high heels that sort yeah. of thing like so we started to get a sense of I think the underlying tone of this whole film mm-hmm. which is just the scariest part about this whole thing is white successful men successful men's attitude towards women yeah I think that's the biggest through line through this entire film and it's funny like even in the first couple scenes he says cool it with the anti-semitism which I'm like personally I'm like hell yeah I have all yeah, cool I've, it with the anti-semitism I have a note here about how he's weirdly socially aware for a psychopath and it's it's one of the he talks about the genocide in Africa or in Sri Lanka in Sri Lanka and uh talking about all these things that he obviously doesn't actually care about. No, but he's aware of them. And but that's, he, it, it's, it's, it's a nice overlay of like, he can be as perfectly normal as he ought to be, which is don't right. be anti-Semitic, don't be racist, do be misogynist. Right, exactly. And that big uh, double standard there. Again, yes. like with, with a female writing team behind this, mm-hmm. I think that's a, this, yeah, the scariest part of this movie is just yeah. how that, that through line of misogyny through the entire thing and, and how, how perfectly, perfectly acceptable. acceptable yeah, yeah. The, the issue is not that he hates women it's that the issue is what he does to women exactly yeah oh there's t- also two donald trump references in this movie yeah there's even more in the book there's two in like the first five pages really in the book. Yeah. yeah he's obsessed with donald trump that and that's it's like scary it's like, on a, more levels now <laughs> yeah there no there's like a plot line book that like there's a, there's a couple of things that come up in the book where he evelyn uh reese witherspoon's character yeah. uh fucks up mistakes donald trump and like he gets super excited and then he screams at her because it's not donald trump got it yeah. i mean that makes sense for the characterization of yeah 
All right, let's continue on with the yeah, plot I mean, here. The, and the plot's, like, weirdly light, too. Like, yeah, I mean, like, the, there's this movie is basically a bunch of beats. That, yes. Like, like, I even tried to um, map this out with the Joseph Campbell uh, yeah. hero's journey just to mm-hmm. see where it lined up, and it really it doesn't. doesn't. Like, no. like, the vague idea of just moving from the known to the unknown mm-hmm. isn't really existent in this film. Yeah, it moves more on, like, um, I would say, like, a Bukowski-esque yeah. line. Uh, the book is very, like... I, I'm going to get in trouble for calling it this, but it's stream of consciousness. A little more psychedelic, sort of. Yeah, like. it's it. Yeah, it it's not naked lunch levels, mm-hmm. but it is very much just like this thing happened, this thing happened, this thing happened, this thing happened. Like it's just it's just you're it's living inside his head. It's all in first point, per, yeah. It's all POV, first person, and like yeah, it's all just going through his day to day, and you don't necessarily know what date it is. You know vaguely what time of year it is. He talks about weather. He talks right. about this and that and the other, but like. Everything in the book is context exclusive. Like, what's going on? What year is it? What time of year is it? Right. What day is it? Even the iconic card scene mm-hmm. happens. This happens next, which I personally think is a great scene. It's it's solid. Yeah. I. Uh, it's one that I that stuck with me when I wa- after I watched the first time. Me too. I mean, obviously that scene and the Paul Allen murder scene are the two yeah. like like scenes that really stick out in your head. And I mean, Justin Theroux I think kills it in this scene. Yes, his. I think his whole swarminess to the whole thing. Oh, and also when Paul Allen comes in, did you notice there's an actual rattlesnake noise? Yeah, that happens when he walks in. Yeah, like, again on the nose. Like okay, sound design was good in this film. Yeah, yeah. I, I always look out for sound design, and it, it was really solid. Like we were talking off mic. Uh, yeah. I saw Hades Town last night, and Jesus Christ, the sound design in that is really, really well done. Good. That's a really good show. The sound and the lighting design on those, both of those are just fantastic, phenomenal. Yeah. And then immediately after that scene, we see his first on-screen murder. Yeah, we. It's about twenty minutes in. Yeah, we. Well, he no, he murders the the homeless dude before that. No, no, no. It's, it's after that scene. Is it? Yeah, it's directly after that scene. Okay. Yeah. No, uh, I'm gonna trust your notes. Yeah, I, that's I. I had it flipped in my head. The I think the his choice of victim in the scene is very important because what we yeah. see is we is we see a downtrodden man of color. Right. Uh, and Bateman just fucks with him like yeah. right from the get go and it's, just starts telling how much he looks like shit. And the dude is so appreciative the entire time. He just which, wants to be helped. Yeah, he's, he's, he, it's freezing out. Like yeah, yeah. And Bateman just opens up his little briefcase. It's like yeah, here you go, and stabs, stabs the fuck out of him. It's even worse in the book. Oh, I can imagine. He yeah. like, ugh. and that's a, a thing. I actually, I do think the the use of graphic violence in this movie mm-hmm. is. I think it's at a good level where it doesn't. You, it's not. It's relatively tame. It's relatively tame, which uh, I think is a better choice than just showing. Yeah, particularly considering how much violence happens against women. Um, right. And at least one person of color. But he, yeah, in the book, it's like he like tortures the dude for a second oh, before okay. he like pops his eyeballs and shit. Oh fuck. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Should have warned you about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, it's, it's, warning, it's like real fucking bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then he, he kills the duck. Yeah. That's I mean, that, and that's an unforgivable uh, <laughs> thing to do. I mean, it's the opposite of the save the cat moment. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like for most moviegoers, killing a dog is the worst thing you can possibly do on screen. Got Alfie Allen killed in John Wick. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's the whole movie yeah don't fuck it. with dogs yeah it, you'll get john wick after you <laughs> and it seems that a lot of his i have a lot of notes in here about how you know he, he says that he's emotionally devoid mm-hmm. says that he's pretty much got like no real emotion but a lot of his killings do seem sort of emotionally motivated yeah they do feel very emotionally driven it's jealousy with uh with Jared Leto's character. Jealousy, like, disgust yeah. when it comes to Matt Ross's character, which that yeah. comes later in the movie. Uh, 
Yeah, it's, it's in discussed when it comes to women too. Yes, because um, that's something that does show more in the book, uh, more explicitly in the book, is how much he just hates women but sees them as objects that are useful. Right. Uh, which is how he sees most things, but it definitely in the movie there's more emotional drive to this. Yeah, and I yeah I think that uh, it's interesting for I mean even call it a psychopath, which has yeah there there's there's some connotation there. Right, and we, we can talk about um, representations of mental health about yeah later, we'll tell yeah. you okay. shiny axe. All right, so we, we yeah get into the Paul Allen scene. Which, yeah, again I think this is one of the two really good scenes in this movie. Right, I think is I think this scene in particular is a fantastic scene in a mediocre film. Yeah, um, I mean the bit with it's it's Huey Lewis. He's talking about the and he's talking about all these this very superficial music. He does it in yeah. the book too. Or he he's even says I noticed he said it in the movie where he talks about um, he doesn't like Peter Gabriel because uh, with Genesis because it's Genesis. too artsy, yeah. it's too deep and yada yada. He says Coming from a guy meaning. who has a lot of really famous artists pieces hanging in his house. Yeah, there's um. There's so that's also of, just a sign of opulence as well. Exactly right. Yeah. It's it's having all the it's all the trappings. It's all about the trappings. Yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff in the book where he ta- he like fucks with somebody because they're lying to him about how good their stereo is, <laughs> uh, and he's like, no, 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 and he like he's like making things up to catch the guy in a lie. Yeah, that can't be possibly true. Like yeah. this certain speaker or this certain speaker system can't work with a certain type of speaker. And he's just and trying to be yeah. like proving that he's better than him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then like he lies about how expensive he like like seven times higher says the price of a painting. He has like a, a David Enrico okay painting. I think is a, I think that's who it was. Um, but yeah, he he's like yeah yeah it cost me like ninety grand. And like normally they would, they would think it's like it would go for twelve grand. Right. Yeah. But, so yeah, it's all yeah. I mean, again. It's all about presentation. It's all about yeah. what you're showing. But yeah, so this scene, one, just the, the do you like Huey and the Lewis, Huey Lewis and the News line. Right. The, his little jig that he does to, the to hide the axe. The moonwalk yeah. The, when he's like, is that a raincoat? <laughs> yes, it is. Like, it's, yeah. it, I love everything about this scene. I love the way he smokes a cigar immediately after the murder with just yeah. like the blood all over his face, just not giving a fuck. Yep. And then <laughs> proceeds to dispose of the body with three witnesses. Yes. And, and a blood trail. And a blood trail. Yeah. And this is just like, Sharon and I were just like, yeah, that's what rich white men can get away with. Like, yep. literally getting away with murder, mm-hmm. walking past three people that know who you are. Yes. And just no bad comes Your doorman and two people who know you intimately, and one of whom you are having sex with on exactly, a regular yeah. basis. Yeah. It's just... <laughs> So yeah, yes. I think I think that adds in again to this to this theme of it's all what's on the surface. Exactly. On the surface, he's still Patrick Bateman. Below, but also how the the real enemy here is just rich white men and yeah. what they can get away with. Still true. Yeah, very much so. I mean, there's a re- <laughs> this is called American Psycho. And this yeah. has a lot to do with just America in general and how our priorities as a country. Yes. I wrote so hot here again. I think he's naked once. Oh yeah, this is the the chainsaw. Uh, uh, no, this is before the Chainsaw Murder. No, but this is when he earlier in the movie we see him casually watching porn. Yes, uh, while making a reservation at, uh, or trying to make a reservation at Dorcia. Yeah, which again I think is amazing. Where the dude just laughs at him. Yeah, which I think is that is great. Surprised he doesn't kill that Mater D. He probably would if he could. But later in the movie we see instead of porn he's watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes. Uh, so to him that shows where he puts sex and murder are 
closely tied to him as far as a yeah. uh, uh, gratification or entertainment value, mm-hmm. which um, I think is important to the character. Yeah, in the book, he rents Body Double like a lot. He's rented, it says he rented it like over fifty times, and Body Double has he mentions a, uh, mentions a specific scene in that movie. So that movie was like reviled because it's like all just like porn and murder, right? Uh, His two favorite a, things. Yes, and there's a <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, there's a woman who gets drilled who gets like a giant drill bit through her gut, and like it's very graphic, right? Um, okay. Yeah, so it's like it's the same idea of like it. You can't. I guess you couldn't show that in a movie, right? That you have to get like under a certain bar, like the MPAA and everything. But right, it's the the connections in his head about right. where sex and violence are mm-hmm. and how they're pretty much the same for him. Yes, it's all about domineering, mastery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is pretty shortly after this is when we meet the sex worker who he calls Christy. Yeah, that's what she goes by. And then the other one, Sabrina. Sabrina. He wants and, to make a porno with them. Yeah, well, or like a home, a home. When when he sits them down in his in Paul Allen's place. Yes, is it Paul Allen's place. Yeah, and he just needs validation from them, and they're not giving it to him. Oh no, the first one is actually at his apartment. It's his apartment. The yeah, second yeah. one, the second time we see Christy, it's at yeah. Paul Allen's place. So yeah, so but they're sitting there, and he's just trying to impress these these yeah. women. It's and, a very fine wine you're not drinking. Yeah, and they just don't care, and he's yeah. getting visibly upset because they don't care about these things that he thinks people should care about. Yes. And it shows a little bit of insecurity, which we don't see a whole lot in yes. the rest of the movie. And also just... It's it's putting it on a... It's, it's an on-the-nose version of his insecurity because it's it's the through line, but it's not, yeah. yeah. And then we have the, the, the sex scene. Yes. The don't look at her ass, eat it. Yeah. That's a good line. And he's, like, flexing at himself He's in the so mirror. much more turned on by himself than he is. There's so them. much Christian Bale butt in this movie, too. I'm which, not complaining. Hey, again, no. There's so much. There's so much female nudity in movies. More male nudity. It's, I'm fine with it. I'm glad for it. It's a good butt. It's a great butt. It's a good butt. Uh, so and then right after that, I think we lead into what I can think is the actual most horrific part of this movie. Mm. Uh, the we're not through yet. Yes, and the implied um, like and the, it's torture. all implied torture and violence. We don't actually yes. see any of it, which I think is a again we're talking about I'm talking about the actual use of graphic violence in this movie. Right. When they pull back and let you imagine it yourself because mm-hmm. the only clues we get are scratches a bloody nose the fact that they're visibly like crying a line later where christy says my friend thinks i need surgery I, she thinks i should sue yeah exactly like that leaves the audience members to come up with the details in the in blanks head, yeah which you see is, all the tools and everything and it's exactly. disgusting yeah it's it's, it's, a, it's a it's one that made, definitely made me, like gulp my dinner up a little bit like yeah just the more, implication of it was plenty it's more visceral so, like and i think implied violence is scarier a lot of times than actually seeing sure that's the way I feel we'll, we'll get there yeah, yeah. we'll go <laughs> oh Shannon we noticed that this is way back every, because this leads into the Matt Ross scene yes do you notice that everyone's business card says vice president on it yes do you, is, is, that a, is that a reference in the book what? Uh, I don't know about it in the book I know it from people I know who have worked in finance basically everybody's a VP like once you get to a certain point, they're just like you're the vice president of X Y Z, but it just says VP because everybody wants to say they're everybody's a VP after a certain because there's like one president right. maybe of, of like of each department, right? But there's so many VPs, and it's Got all it. just like these interchangeable lackeys. So it's a thing that happens in the book, and you see it a little bit in the movie. They can never figure out who somebody else is. Yeah, they everyone's called like the Patrick Bateman gets called by so many different names, and everyone else does too. Yeah, like everyone gets mistaken for somebody else, and the line is that X. Right, they, where you know X is somebody's name, and then Opening no, scene, that's Y. Like, yeah, no, that that's Paul Z. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and so you have this constant through line. Um, like the movie, is just, the, the book is just over and over and over again. So all these interchangeable white men, yes, who 
in yeah. the same suits, the same things. They're all wearing all of people's glasses. Some are prescription, some are not. They're all wearing Ferragamo suits, Xenia suits, all of these things, like all these really fine designers and all this shit. And all the women are also considered to be fairly interchangeable too. I, we, uh, the fact almost, that they're all sleeping with each other is like this interchangeability yeah. through line, yeah. They're all almost entirely blonde women, except for the uh, woman we meet later. Yes. Mostly submissive in a, in, in a sense. Drugged up too. So yeah, what's her name? The the one Valium and Xanax just left and right. Oh my god, that scene is hard to watch. And, uh, where he takes her out to dinner. Oh yeah. Oh, it's um. Because that's that would be terrifying. She's on lithium. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Would you like imagine like uh, waking up and like thinking you're in a restaurant and like not right. really knowing what's going on? Yep. That's terrifying. Yeah. And like it's just sort of played off. It's a little played off for laughs a little bit. It is a bit. But it's just. The, the, when you actually think about the implications of how one how fucked up she is yeah on so many medications and two just hit Patrick Mammon just like I'm putting you in a car I'm taking yeah. you here I'm taking you over here she has no control. someone else having complete control of complete your body complete control and that's that was a really well that's one thing that I did appreciate that like again we have a, uh, two women writing this movie right from a movie written by a man or from a book written by a man but they I think the, this is where when we talk about adaptation issues we can also talk about adaptation successes right this is one where that does play through really well and it's yeah. not hit on the head it, it is let it is left for the viewer to sort of parse it I really it's not subtle but it is not right. it's not explicit and it's it, a nice midline it wasn't something I really picked up on as a younger viewer when I watched this film yeah it wasn't when I was like 12 13 I did not notice that exactly like watching this uh, older and woker I suppose <laughs> at least as, more aware as, yeah, yeah uh, it's definitely a lot more apparent you, you hear that female voice a lot more which I think is what like you said what differentiates this movie from potentially the book or other movies of that time yeah. i.e. Fight Club and, and things like that yeah so but yeah uh, we have a straight man adapting a queer man's work and it's a very toxic queer man's work <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of problems there it's uh, mostly problems so we get into uh, the scene with Matt Ross yeah so uh, he, he tries to kill Matt Ross in the bathroom because he is jealous of his business card it's so it's uh, the way I've always read that is that basically Matt Ross gets the exact same card. It's it it's not though. I that's that was my thought too. But if you look at the if you look at the in the color of the of the text on the card, I don't know if it was just the lighting, but it looks slightly metallic. Okay, maybe that's um, what it, maybe so. It's an upgrade. It's almost the exact same thing, but it's a slight upgrade. That's yeah. I and was then, thinking, yeah. yeah. And like Justin Thoreau's like, oh, when did you get taste? Right, exactly. Because yeah. he's sort of the. Out of their little crew, he's the most reviled out of all of them. Nobody really likes him. Oh, everyone at all. hates him. Yeah. So he's got this really foppy haircut. Yeah. Oh god, and he's so, so ugly in this movie. I love it. I, mean, I, yeah, I think it. he's fantastic. It, like he plays that weird little sniffling. Like, Ugh. well, it's so it's such an over the head queer coded character, and he's not queer. He is explicitly queer. Yeah. Eventually, but like the from the I couldn't I didn't remember that when I was watching it this oh, time. Oh really? And I'm sitting there watching this as a queer man, going like, okay, yeah, so he's gay. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like. Yep. Yep. It, yeah, it's <laughs> I've seen this a hundred thousand times. I know what. Like, I was six and knew that Ursula was gay. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. There, there's there's a certain queer representation that's a little like the governor in Pocahontas 
from Disney. Like, <laughs> not my first choice, but now that you say it, it's yeah, yeah. it's a thing that other people have talked about a lot. I forgot that Pocahontas is like your one of your, your. No, 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 no. That's not. I, I actually do, I can't stand that one. Oh really? Um, yeah, I love a couple of the songs from it, but I every single time I sit try to sit down and watch, it, I just go, no, thank you. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, probably doesn't. It's probably been years since I since I've seen that. So it's probably too much. Mel Gibson. Also, Christian Bale though. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway, that's all off track. That's uh, all, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, just on, on the queer coding thing, yeah, I was uh, like, yeah, no, Matt Ross is gay in this. So, uh, he, To the point that I was looking up, like, is Matt Ross gay? No, he's just been married to the same woman for 25 years. Oh, good for him. Yeah. Tries to kill him. Try, yeah. And he turns around, he's like, I didn't know he felt this way. I was hoped. Yeah, he... he it's very over the top. It's but all everything the wrong signs, over the top, but yeah, so, yeah, it's all over the top. Uh, and this leads to a great shot of Christian Bale washing his gloves, which I thought was... Yeah, oh, that's again, so good. It's yeah. a good shot. It's, well, and this is all during the AIDS crisis. Like, that comes up in the gay, movie, but it's, like, constant, constant in the book. Like, again, panic. I've only read a third of it. Yeah, gay yeah. panic and gay panic and AIDS panic. But. Shannon Shannon commented on, uh, yeah, in, in the cocaine scene, like, mm-hmm. uh, Justin Theroux, like, calls a dude a faggot. He, yeah. And... and He's like, I'm trying to do cocaine here, and then apologizes, says sorry, the steroids, which I yeah. thought was like, that's a very 80s. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, but yeah, it, like touching on the AIDS crisis, gay panic in, in America, mm-hmm. especially in that uh, society. Yes, in the 80s was another through line, a, a smaller through line, but another like touching on marginalized people at that time. Yeah, and there's there's a whole thing with it again. It gets things because books have more time to do things than movies do um, and generally why we shouldn't adapt books into movies uh, is <laughs> a lot more t- I, I, it's a it's an old one but it stays piping hot don't know how uh, for me but we should adapt them to TV shows is the, is, the, is the upshot of that but they talk a lot about like okay you gotta wear a condom well I don't wanna wear a condom you have to wear a condom like right. I, I don't know where you've been we're all sleeping with each other if one of us gets AIDS everybody's right. got it and that's the whole like that was the whole thing about it and you, like yeah and this is all this predates Magic Johnson this predates um, uh, normalizing this right. as a disease that affects everybody yes uh, yeah so this was I mean can gay people still not give blood is that still a thing ish it, it, like yes and no yeah uh, it's it's queer men in particular who queer men yeah yeah, yeah. the questionnaire um, like have you when the last time you had sex with a man like, right which is an absurdly personal thing to ask if you're giving blood yeah and it's it's yeah we can get all into why that's a whole <laughs> lot of fucked american up, but, psycho yeah but we should stay on american psycho because um, i've got a lot more to say about that but it's, let's uh, get through the plot yeah shannon talks about uh at this point the most horrifying thing for someone in Patrick Bateman's uh, position mm-hmm. is to be emasculated by somebody he thinks is less than, which yes. is exactly what happens in that scene. I think it's a nice little... And it would be any gay man in particular. Any, any, gay, any man. gay man, any queer man would be just less than Patrick Bateman. Or even... Patrick or, Bateman cannot Or any that. woman. Yes. Uh, like, same... Uh, Anyone trying to take power back from him that he thinks ha- he has over them. Exactly. Yeah. You could call it a miniature colonial uprising. <laughs> You're right. Uh, the theme of uh, Dorcia comes up again right. after this, uh, which Dorcia, I think, represents just the one thing that's unattainable to Patrick Bateman. Yes. So the the one thing... Well, there's two things in the movie that he cannot obtain, but one of them is just a reservation at Dorcia, which yes. I think is a nice little motif through the whole film. Mm-hmm. And when he asks Chloe to uh, go to dinner with him, he is right. obviously on so much cocaine. That's good cocaine acting. Yes. Potentially, maybe. Could have been real. Yeah. <laughs> he has a very Jack Nicholson vibe to him, as, as Shannon pointed out. Yes. That is really good cocaine acting. It's, oh, his, the way he moves his head, I mean. The like, two things that people always fuck up is drunk acting and cocaine acting. Yeah. Like, I, I can see them 
like I've I've worked with a couple of good drunk like actors who are acting drunk. Right. It's so rare. The the best drunk acting I've ever seen. Um, and as a bartender, I have been. I, How long I, have both of us worked in? Yeah. Exactly. I've been I've been doing this for close to a decade now. I've been around a lot and a lot of drunk people, mm-hmm. and it's really jarring when people don't get drunk acting right because like that's not how actual drunk people act. Yeah. The best drunk acting I think I've ever seen in a film is in not a great movie, but in Green Book, which is a problematic film. I, I right. just didn't even bother. Um, <laughs> but they're they're Mahershala Ali, who I um, immensely respect. Oh, he's does the best drunk acting in that film where he is you can just like that's exactly what a wasted person looks and acts like yeah but yeah another one was Peter Stormare in American Gods does it really well uh which which character is he Chernobog oh yeah he does a great job and another Peter Sarsgaard in again not a great movie Garden State it's been way too long since I've seen that movie. Again, it's I don't want to revisit yeah, that film. You don't need to, don't don't disabuse yourself can, of like the love that you had for it. I can I listen to the it. Shins on my own time. I don't yeah. I don't need a plot surrounding a Shins album that yeah. you. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, no, he's fantastic as somebody who's drunk in that film. As someone who and his, uh yeah, he yeah, the two other people I've seen do drunk acting just like perfectly. Yeah. But it's it's it is rare. So to see the but the cocaine acting like yeah. see such good cocaine acting mm-hmm. it's like you know what you're doing, Kristen Bale. Yeah, because everybody wants to, everybody always wants to do it as like a like they snort it and they just pop up. And like, yeah. I'm like, oh. oh my god, you would blow the lines everywhere. <laughs> if you did that, someone would fucking punch you. That's hundreds of dollars you just destroyed. I'm gonna have to dig that out of the cracks of this floor. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, so he he asks uh, his secretary to come around to his house mm-hmm. where we see his perfectly immaculate knife drawer. Which oh god, yeah, just. The, the, his apartment, I just have so much jealousy about the the the. It's so neat and tidy. Like I'm a fairly clean person, ignore, but ignore my room <laughs> yeah. right now. Yeah, I haven't been here <laughs> for a couple days, and say. I just was like throwing shit around. I was like coming in, running out, coming in, running out. So and it's winter, so there's like thousands of layers of clothes. Don't I'm, judge me on this. I'm not a neat person, and my place looks better than this right now. Fuck off. I love you, Tofu. I know, but I generally <laughs> am, and like I want to have things neat and tidy, but I'm just. But his his sense of where he keeps everything is in perfect place all the time yeah. which is just the ideal and something I would never be able to actually achieve yes also he offers her sorbet but when you actually see it, it she's eating frozen yogurt uh, yep. which don't know if that's on purpose or yeah. if that's a is mistake is that a continuity error what's going on here yeah nail gun research needed so at this point he pulls nail gun out points it at her head which right. I would, like nail guns are not effective range weapons no you need to press it into something before you can pull the trigger unless you modify it where you're already pulling back that case. Yeah, now, I couldn't tell on that if he had already if he had modified it or not. I just assumed he was gonna like punch it into her head, like he was lining it up. But I figured it was gonna be like the. But whole you, got, thing. you gotta push real hard. I feel like she would have... and like look at his look at his arms. We just talked about how like yeah, but she, I mean, but she has she has no barrier in front of her. Oh, I, I guess he could grab her. or yeah, something. Yeah, and like yeah. it's yeah. But it's just—I don't it's, really want to talk about the effectiveness of killing women with rain. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> but it, it makes for it makes for a better visual than an actual anything. Yeah. Did you know that my oh. granddad can shoot a bird at range with a nail gun? Good for your granddad. He's knocked a starling out of the sky wow. at like thirty feet. Impressive. He's a contractor. He does. The, and, he, <laughs> and he hates starlings, which fair enough—they're an invasive species. I'm all for all animals being loved and everything, but like, yeah, let's not have invasive species. Have we talked about Defoe yet? We haven't talked about Willem Defoe. Is he no, showing yeah. up in this movie yet? Is, is uh, he shows up around the around uh, this time? Yeah, it's in between. It's after. The, it's right after this. Yeah, okay. It's right so, after uh, uh, Chloe Sevigny gets spared. 
Right. And Which, there's the uh, whole double entendre scene. An interesting, couldn't really tell if it was compassion or pity or what he felt for her to, to let her live. I think it was, I read it as Evelyn called him and it was just like, eh, this is going to be too much. Like too he much had, hassle. Yeah. Just didn't want to bother with the... He's play acting the compassion and everything, but... I don't know, it seems like there's certain points where she's not even looking at him, that he seems to have some sort of compassion for her. And I can't, I honestly, I can't really tell. At this yeah. point, like, I don't, like, the amount of emotions that he actually has versus how much he thinks he has, I think there's a disconnect there. It's a nice disconnect. I'll say that. It's like, I don't, I'm going to say it's inconsistent, but I'm also going to say that that inconsistency lands. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, Defoe, ultimately, really, the point of his character is just to add a looming threat in here. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a bit of, ten- it's supposed to be a bit of tension, yeah. Right. That ultimately leads nowhere yeah which interesting choice i don't know you probably haven't gotten that far in the books so i don't no. know if that uh, what the point of that is I, th- I think defoe is great in his scenes oh he's fantastic in this and i think that it, like you I'm, I'm sure the detective is a character in the book i wouldn't imagine that they just wrote in a character for willem defoe even though that is a very good choice right i would absolutely write a character for defoe why not why not it's defoe yeah he has a confusingly large penis you know, you know no I've never seen Willem Dafoe's penis <laughs> he apparently they had on the filming of Antichrist they had to get a when they were hiring the body doubles for the sex scenes they specifically got one with a smaller penis than Dafoe's because they said that his penis was confusingly large that's really fucking funny oh my god which just I don't know what that means confusingly large like if you were looking at the penis and then looking at the rest of his body they just talked about this on uh, how did this get made so if anyone is a fan of that show and listen to this that's like I'm kind of repeating that (laughs) Um, but yeah why not get that confusingly penis get that get that into any movie you can (laughs) Uh, so we meet Christy again yeah uh, which again she mentions having to go to the hospital right how she's still she's showing a lot of hesitation but she ends up getting in the car with him anyway which at this point Shannon just yelled grab it and run girl and referring to the uh, (laughs) the cash that he's putting out the window yeah but obviously there's there's probably a motivation of fear and needing the money that she desperation for when she gets into that car I mean she's working a corner she's not what you would call like I'm gonna phrase this in a way she doesn't she doesn't charge a big price normally I'm trying to think like I'm like no, I, I, I'm trying to not use like traditionally the, the like, money. The money that she's being language. offered is more than she would normally be probably in like a long time. So that that motivation, of just like this, is gonna feed me is yeah. for a while. Yeah. Is yeah. She's not an A team sex worker. <laughs> is the way I had it in my head, and I think that that's rude. <laughs> I, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to touch too much on... on yeah, I'm going to leave it alone. Le- yes, let that lie. And here we meet uh, Elizabeth, right. played by Gwendolyn Turner, one of the screenwriters. Yes. Who is the most dynamic female I've seen in this movie so far. Yep. She is obviously used to playing in the big leagues with the boys. Mm-hmm. She has a very laissez-faire like attitude about her, and she openly ribs Patrick mm-hmm. and is very much controls that scene yes also first brunette and a female that we see in this whole movie right someone with not blonde hair someone with not blonde hair (laughs) uh uh yeah she makes a huge impact she's only in a movie for about 30 seconds right uh yeah half a scene before she's murdered underneath some covers right well let's talk about that does he bite her to death 
I don't know. I think he had something. I think he did bite her, but I think he also had some sort of instrument. Is I've got to imagine that he yeah, like, stabbed cause, her or some shit. Because all you see, he starts to go down on her as uh-huh. Christy tries to escape out the room. Right. And then you start seeing blood appear on the sheets. She's yeah. screaming, and then he, he pulls the sheets back. He's got blood all over his mouth. He's like, yeah. Right. Uh, again, great face acting. Yes. Yeah, I couldn't tell if he was like, did he just bite her to death which I mean, right again, yeah no like, i had the like, same thought though again, i'm like this, i'm like, I'm like trying to make sense of it but i'm like no no, no that's what it looks like yeah and there, there's also some weird things you can invent in your head you're not seeing everything yeah like did he just like bite her neck like bite her carotid artery out or something right yeah at this point uh chris starts running around the the apartment she finds mm-hmm. heads in the closet in the fridge banging uh, on doors uh, Die yuppie scum, which yeah. I think I, that, that was an interesting. Yeah, I'm sure that's just a reference to something in the book. And I just, it's like, got because he's that far. a yuppie. Yeah, so he is yuppie scum. Yeah, so <laughs> it, I don't know if that's a self-loathing thing or if there's been squatters and stuff like that. Like we see so many people who are dead in that apartment. That is true. That, that some of them could bodies just... hanging on the coat mm-hmm. in the coat closet. Yeah. So there's those could have been squatters. Yeah. This is the beginning of or just like of... people he brought up because like there's a through line in the book of basically like Lower East Side East Village mm-hmm. folks who are all just as wealthy but bohemian like yes. sort of yeah. Yeah, it's the is is it like... Mark and Rent. Oh, yeah, okay. I see. Him. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, I bet he would hate people like that. Yes. Like like Bob Dylan, he probably hates Bob Dylan. Right. Yeah. Just like you hate Bob Dylan. I am Patrick Bateman. That's, <laughs> That's the whole reason I invited you here was to smash this glass into your face. <sighs> Good luck. <laughs> the, the glass is plastic. <laughs> also, she kicks him in the face at one point, and he just yeah. yells, Not in the fucking face! Which I got. Yeah. So I think it's is fantastic. Solid. It's a really good line read. Yeah. Great face acting. But yeah, so that's so this is the first part of the movie that starts to have some unanswered questions. Yes. Because she starts banging on doors, like you said. Mm-hmm. Nobody comes to her aid. No. Which is an interesting, like, I'm going to, we'll touch more on that later. The famous chainsaw drop. Yes. Which is just a feat of physics. That's, I mean, that's it's impressive. impressive. Yeah. yeah. And again, just a great primal yell after that. Yeah. And more, more uh, Bateman butt. In yes. This more naked Bateman. Good classic Bateman butt. Next scene, he breaks up with Reese Witherspoon at the diner. Yeah. Uh, again, yeah. So they uh, they break up. There's an uh, example in this movie that in the scene, this the whole movie where he says something very violent and it's completely yeah. ignored, and you start to wonder if he's actually saying these things. Yes. Is it? Yeah. It's played well in the movie because it's played in that first scene uh, at the bar tunnel, which right. is a famous bar in New York City. Right. But yeah, so the, he there's throughout the movie he says all these. Super crazy violent, things, yeah. super violent things that that you're not really sure because nobody really pays attention to it. Right. So you don't know if I have my own theory about this, but you don't know if it's actually being said or if it's just that everyone chooses to ignore it. Yes. Um, or that everything is superficial and no one's really talking to each other. They're I just mean, talking past each other. Yeah. All I mean, the this time. scene, she's talking about a bracelet to her friend yeah. while he's breaking up with her. She straight up refuses to break up with him as well. Yes. Uh, and he leaves with his classic line I need to return some videotapes mm-hmm. which I think is again just fantastic super dope I wish it was an excuse we could still use these days <laughs> I'm just gonna start using it all the time I, I need to update my Netflix but that's not <laughs> even like we don't even update it anymore yeah. yeah I gotta clear my Netflix queue uh, and this is where shit gets real weird yeah it's the long series of just like 17 murders in a row right he blows up a cop car well okay so before that he goes to an atm yeah the atm says feed me a stray cat Tries so, to the cat, so that's yeah. an obvious hallucination that's happening yeah here. he then immediately shoots an old lady uh-huh run down the street 
gets into a firefight with some cops where right massive explosion happens. He looks at his gun kind of quizzically, like "What the fuck?" Yeah, shoots <laughs> shoots a, a door guy. Yeah, then immediately shoots a janitor. Yep. while he's going through the he goes through the round the revolving doors back through just to shoot that guy, yeah. which I thought was great. It's a it's a really well shot piece. Like this goes, this whole sequence is really well shot. Particularly oh, the the two buildings that look identical. Identical. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, when he goes into the 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 first building, the door guy. He shoots yeah. mistakes for Mr. Smith, like also yeah. another completely different person. And then he gets into his office. And he calls his lawyer and has this mm-hmm. really lucid like breakdown of everything he's done. Confesses to like twenty to forty murders. But the most important one that the only one that's really important to him, you can tell, is the murder of Paul Allen. Yeah, As, like he mentions all these other murders, but Paul Allen's the only one that actually really matters to Bateman. Yes, I think it's because they're he would consider them equals, or Paul Allen might even be his superior. Right. Well, so he has the bigger account. He's working on this huge account and all this stuff. Right. And, yeah. So everyone else that he's murdered has been somebody beneath him mm-hmm. and potentially justified in his mind except for Paul Allen right oh nice use of the scenery like the helicopter just sort of like is increasing his paranoia you see yeah. it would really break down he's so sweaty yeah and that's one of the, the the sweat him getting sweaty a few times about the movie works really well too yeah because he's the only one that gets sweaty everyone mm-hmm. else is very and so the, the contrast works visually mm-hmm. goes to the apartments it's not Paul Allen's apartment so, okay so this is where okay let's talk about it. so he goes to Paul Allen's apartment yeah. Uh, and everything's freshly painted white. There's a there's a broker in there. Did you hear about the ad in the Times? We didn't have an ad in the Times. I think you should leave. Yeah. That whole thing. He's searching everywhere for all the bodies. For all the left. bodies, right. At this at the same point, we see that Chloe, his secretary, yeah. uh, she finds his planner and it's... starts to see all the weird little sketches in it. He meets up at the bar and mm. starts talking to his lawyer, who he called the night before. His lawyer, again, mistakes him for somebody else. He's like, oh, Davis, that was hilarious. What a yeah. jokester you are. Payment, such a fucking pussy. Yeah. Like, all that shit. Um, Which is another repeated, repeated through line. Repeated through line, yeah. He's such a dork. He's such a dork, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't say pussy. <laughs> he's such, well, I think they, they literally say dork multiple yeah, times. He's yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. such, a, such a loser, such a dork, dork such, yeah. a, such a, a, like, they do. They think they do call him a pussy at some point. Like that would make sense for the context. Like so. that's the that's the language that that would, that yeah any of these men would use. And then he keeps telling like, "I'm Patrick Bateman," and you see the lawyer's eyes just go dead. Yeah, which I think again, solid acting from this guy. Too. Uh, yeah, I mean this this one dude, very small part, but mm-hmm. no small parts, only small actors. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, he just goes dead and just refuses. He's like, "I think we should like this conversation's over. Right. We're done." Bateman sits back down at the table with the Justin Thoreau and the boys. Well, there's the important reveal, too, that Paul that his lawyer had lunch with Paul Allen twice in London. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. So, again, we'll talk about that. Yeah, because, yeah. Uh, yeah, so he says, that's impossible. I had I had lunch with Paul Allen 10, 10 mm-hmm. days ago. Yeah, so after that, Bateman sits down. Ronald Reagan's on the on the TV talking about yeah. Russian conflict, I think? The Iran-Contra. The Iran, there we go, yeah, yeah. They just sit down, and, and the other boys just start talking about is he a doddering old man? Is he yeah. a fucking psychopath? Yeah, and uh, Bateman's just sitting there in kind of complete utter shock mm-hmm. that no one takes him seriously. And this is where it talks about the one thing he can't get besides the Dorcia reservation is punishment. Yeah, catharsis. He, he, he cannot get that sense of yeah. the retribution that he deserves, mm-hmm. which is the ultimate like loss for him. Because yeah. he, no matter how much he does this, he will still just be incomplete unless yep. something 
unless he's appropriate. There's the recognition of it, and this is gets. We'll talk about that with the serial killer thing, and like right. why that that's a the sort of collective myth we have about serial killers is the recognition. Right. And then yeah. Okay. So uh, and then uh, the movie ends. That's it. Uh, and the last line is like this confession has meant nothing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, I do want to talk about whether or not you think it's real. Yeah. Sure. So yeah, before we go into tight on American. Uh, Psycho. I want to sort of broaden out a little bit and talk about horror in general. And kind of just want from you, like, what is your relationship with the genre? And then sort of how do you define, like, what to you lands as a horror movie? Right. So Just give me, like, a, a very broad definition of that, like, so, category sort of thing. Right, yeah. So my relationship with horror is actually, like, not that intense. I right. kind of wrote off, Shannon and I talked about this, we both kind of wrote off the genre uh, for a long time because... Mm-hmm. I think around, you know, when we were starting to be able to, like, getting to the age where we could appreciate movies on a deeper level was sure. when things like torture porn, things like yeah. Hostel, yeah. uh, that was becoming more prevalent. So the, my and that's in- things that Nicole and I have talked about on Mike, too. Yeah, yeah. My interest in horror kind of fell out mm-hmm. because movies that I, movies in the horror genre that I really respected, things like The Shining and mm-hmm. things like those. And this was just probably my own fault as well for not seeking them out as much, but like, but they weren't wide re- they, wide release, right? Yeah. So, wasn't until maybe in the last three years or so that I uh-huh. started like diving back into horror, sure. a little more interest in it, and uh, trying to get a better scope of that. And so, what it like when it comes to me, like what I think a horror movie is, like what, what yeah. I think defines the genre, really comes down to. I mean, if we break it down to the word like horrific, sure. like what is a horrifying thing? Got it. And I think the genre can be somewhat vague because you can have different things that are horrifying to different people. Yes. And it's not always just about, you know, oh, there's a ghouly ghost. Yeah. Look out for the ghost. <laughs> uh, the, there can be, it can be more subtle than that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, like I'm going to make an argument for this film mm-hmm. in, in that sense that it is a more subtle version of what horror can be. Got it. But it still falls in, into that category. Yeah. So to, Sort of encapsulate what you just said, right. right? Just like a like beat, beat, beat of like what you thought of what you think a horror movie is. Yeah. So I think horror movies generally you do there is a sense of unknown. I think a sense of of the unknown, okay. the looming threat. I think that's always very important. Right. Now that this doesn't have to be, I feel like a lot of horror film movies fall into the trope of like there needs to be this twist or this big reveal. Sure. Yeah. Which uh, I think is can be a little cheap. Uh, I mm-hmm. think the again going back to The Shining. Or um, Alien, which mm-hmm. I think is one of the best horror films. Yeah, that's uh, sort of a through line on this podcast is how great I, that movie I, Yeah, I know you guys have talked about this before, but uh, both those movies just use suspense, looming danger, right. a constant threat, and never really being, uh, never a, a feeling of safety or security. Right. And I think that's the most important thing for a horror film to have. Okay. Yeah. So cool. that's, that's where I fall in horror. Yeah. Matt and I talked about this a little We did this on the Jaws podcast where we sort of broke down a different, we did more of a, a plotting and writing and character sort of thing of it where we had said, okay, well, it needs to have, yeah, the looming threat. There needs to be a certain kind of build. There needs to be different types of obfuscation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I'm not saying that as a hard and fast. That's just sort of what we've talked about before. Right, yeah. Where it was, yeah, you need to have this basically inciting action of like okay there's a creepy thing or some sort of threat then there needs to be so yeah there needs to be like a looming threat there needs to be something that 
creates that threat, then it needs to stay. Then he's an uh, underlying sense of dread. Yeah, I think uh, that the, the the dread, the looming threat, right. like that. I think that's the most important. Uh, and how you can create that can come out in a lot of ways. I mean, like we were intentionally vague about it, and I want to stay sort of intentionally vague, but sort of tighten up the the vague definitions that we're using. Right. So there's that. We had like okay, there needs to be dramatic irony. There needs to be like you. It's it's not just that the threat exists. Right. Uh, like you can have dread and threat in a war movie like Saving Private Ryan there's dread throughout that movie right because anyone can die at any time but no one would ever call it a horror movie well I mean like and it is horrific and horrifying Shannon and I talked about this I mean like you could I feel like there are certain like like uh, war genre films that you could make an argument for being a horror film yeah I mean people have argued that Aliens is one Aliens is I think Aliens is an action movie yeah, so it's, it's a war and action movie, but people do call it. They they will often put it in the horror genre. I would put it less in the horror genre. I think. Uh, like, have you seen Catch Twenty Two? The the new. I, I've, I've never watched seen, the new series. Yeah. It's so Shannon made, made an argument that that could potentially be a horror film. Sure. Or a horror series, I guess. Right. In this adaptation, um, yeah. I would put that more in the horror genre than I would Aliens personally. Yeah. Aliens maybe has more thematic things that would generally be considered horror, but I don't right. think just because you have like i don't think in this film in particular the gore or violence or anything or the more horror thematic things are really what make it a horror film yeah so and then that's a good uh delineation to draw too is between plotting and thematic and character right um because on the surface like well we'll, we'll get to that so yeah i am gonna be upfront and say that i don't think this is a horror movie i think and- it shares a lot of qualities with one and i'm We'll get to why I think. I mean, the interesting part is talking about why I don't think it is, but just to be upfront, I don't think it's a horror movie. I don't think it lands for me as one. Right. I see from my own perspective where I think that it might be. Like, it does have, it ticks a couple of the boxes that we've right. talked about. This yeah, is the yeah. problem with identifying things by just like a checklist. Yeah. And that's why we're doing this. It's, uh, mm-hmm. again, like pulling back the curtain, years of spit in philosophy. One of the things I worked on a lot was identity. Right. Identity is not just like personal identity, but it can be identi- like identifying one thing as another thing. Mm-hmm. And like something that people would probably know is like the ship of Theseus problem. Right. Right. Of if you replace every single plank in is it the same Theseus' ship? ship, is it still the Argo? Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, or that's Jason. But yeah. So if you, if you replace every single plank in, is it, is it the same ship, even though like you did it one by one by one? Right. right. So it's, it's a, that's a difficulty. Does, does every there. little piece. Does that, yeah, when you're talking about a film, does every little piece build up to something greater? Yeah. Is it the same? Is it different? Is it... Right. We don't need to go into the whole philosophy. This is not technically a philosophy podcast. It's just what got me to talk. Okay, tougher. (laughs) It's sort of a philosophy podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You've you've literally told me this is how you trick your friends into talking about philosophy. All right. (laughs) All right. Fine. Fine. Apparently, I'm in the hot seat. Uh, So, yeah, up front, I I just don't think that it is, but... Uh, let me. I, I think what might be fun to do here is mm-hmm. to sort of lay out to you where I think it fails because I don't want this to be like, oh, Topher destroys somebody's argument. Like I don't want to oh, be no, fucking no, like not I don't want to be goddamn Ben Shapiro about this. No, no, yeah. What I want to do is sort of tell you why I think it's not, and then you can tell me why you think it because you think it is, right? Like, I do. Uh, right for just and, again for clarity, just to be yeah, upfront about where our I positions do. are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's it's definitely like. And yeah, so like my argument for us as a horror film is definitely a little weird. Like I, like sure. I, because I, this this took a little bit of fin dangling, I'll, I'll say, <laughs> uh, to sort of fit this into to wrap, make an argument for why my brain yeah feels definitely, and like that's awesome. And again, I, d- I want this to be a discussion, not right discussion, not debate. I think it's more interesting 
I, I don't yeah I just don't want all the like gross like oh well you're wrong because this point this point this point this point like, oh yeah yeah that's yeah. doable but there's a way to do this respectfully and yeah. in a more entertaining way and I think that what yeah that's just that I want to be upfront and and very yes. open and honest about like yeah I don't want this to be like a competition between the two of us I want it to be hey let's talk about the thing right so that being said so I think this I understand where this shares a lot of qualities with a horror movie right I think that this is definitely it mimics a slasher film in the way right. it's shot right. and the way it's plotted mm-hmm. well I mean go look down at just the title itself yes I mean Psycho is all, that's an obvious callback to Hitchcock like, yes there's no way you can escape just making that comparison right there right fun fact I used to think this was the sequel to Psycho you know there is a sequel to this movie. Yes, and there well, is a sequel to Psycho. Yes, <laughs> but I think the the remake of Psycho with Vince Vaughn came out right around this time, and like You're when right. I would have seen it, right? Yeah. So like I think it came out a little bit after this movie, um, like oh two oh three, but I would have seen this movie in like two thousand three. I want to say I was probably around thirteen when I, I saw this. I was so, probably fifteen. I think I probably yeah. saw it a little bit later than that. But yeah. yeah. It would have been like late middle school, early high school. Yeah, exactly. And so I, those movies were coming around at the same time. And so I, in my head, formed that it was <laughs> that it the was. sequel to Psycho. So yeah, I, I, it, you're right that it has like a, a clear callback to a, one of the first slasher movies. Mm-hmm. Arguable slasher movie. Yeah, exactly. It's like uh, Halloween's usually taken to be like exactly, the yeah. beginning of the slasher genre. Well, we That's know correct. now it's yeah. the, sh- the slasher Right, genre, what we call yeah. it. Yeah, all the, ca- the Sleepaway Camps, the Friday the 13th. It mimics that. The structure right. of it mimics that. Yeah. Because when I think about the plot, like we took a long time going through the plot, but right. when I think of this plot, I think of it the same way that we do a slash, like Nicole and I do a slasher movie on right. the movie side of the podcast where we just go, okay, the plot really is just murder, 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 murder. Right. And there's a little bit of stuff that happens between. Right. This, so yeah, like my no, my plot notes were a lot less detailed than yours. <laughs> I mean, uh, detail is an interesting <clears throat> word. <laughs> <laughs> In depth and a tad wandering, sure. Yeah, uh, and that's fine. Um, <clears throat> rambling might be more. <laughs> let me be kind. For and, once and, in my fucking life, and with some very like sporadic insight from my girlfriend, who's actually <laughs> <laughs> much more. <laughs> so yeah, so when I think about the like my plot notes on this, were just literally like, okay, this murder happens, this murder happens, this murder happens, this murder happens, right? And then a couple of things in between of like, okay, this is an interesting note, but the rest of it. So I look at it as okay, the plot is the murders, the themes are the things that happen in between, right? And the characters are the characters. Speaking of, this movie is set in New York. Do you think New York City really is a character in this movie? No. Good. Fucking hate when people say that. It's so goddamn annoying. When I think of yeah, so I think of the the plot. It's structurally a horror movie, yeah. which would typically fall into horror. Although I think there is also some places that can come apart. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's important here. So this is a slasher movie that is all about characterization. Right. The theme of the movie is not horror. Okay. The theme of the movie is the horrifying nature or the horrifying presentation or actions or what have you. Okay. Of the men who have everything. Right. Of this, what we now call toxic masculinity. Right. Agreed. 100%. Yeah. And I think that that theme is horrifying, but not horror. Okay. It comes apart in how it's presented. And so your distinction, just just to clarify, mm-hmm. is your distinction between a horrifying theme or a horrifying general scope of the film mm-hmm. and a horror film what really where, where does that break down really for you so there's gonna be a couple places that it comes apart okay so I write a lot for no sleep on reddit right and right. one of the rules that they have is it can't just be horrifying it has to be horror okay uh, and they do I think a pretty good job of explaining that it's a tough thing to pull apart right but where it comes apart is that something that is horrifying an action of horrifying action or 
implication. Like I want to say theme, but themes are, I guess, horrifying in a certain way. But that's that's kind of hard to get right. tight. Mm-hmm. So I want to say like, okay, I want to stick to kind of actions, right? Because because this is an action-driven movie. Yeah, uh, and that it has a slasher slasher type plot. So what's horrifying is the actions he takes. In the book, it's torturing the old man, mm-hmm. the, the homeless man, before he kills him and also killing the dog. Those are horrifying actions. Uh, in the book, he like casually mentions that he tortured a dog that morning because he was pissed off. Right. That he had like, he'd adopted a dog and then tortured it before he left. Where is John Wick when he did him? It, he could have solved this whole movie. Whole thing. It's like most, a lot of movies it can be solved by cell phones. This right. one could have been solved by John Wick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the actions he takes are horrifying. The torturing the two sex workers. for Like all of the, yeah, trying to strangle Lewis Carruthers. Right. Punching in Paul Allen's head, or Jared Leto's head with an axe. Right. Dropping a chainsaw on a sex worker. Like all of these things are horrifying. He decapitated that model he took home. Like right. all of the things are horrifying, but they're not horror. Okay. The same way that I don't know that Hostel is horror. Interesting. Okay. There's a, and this is going to get into a kind of a graphic description, so heads up on that. I have not watched that movie all the way through because it's not my jam, and I just yeah. knew carte blanche I wasn't going to enjoy it. I love Eli Roth as an actor. Not a big fan of him as a writer-director. <laughs> yeah, uh, have you seen Cabin Fever? That <laughs> yeah. entire movie is just a, a, a bookend of one joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the whole movie, yeah. which is kind of brilliant, but it's, also... No, like, yeah, I think he's a very smart through? guy. I just don't love what he does, you yeah. know? And, and, and I'm not his audience. Fine. So there's a scene in Hostel where someone's eye is melted... Oh, and God. then clipped off. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Is, I, yeah. Fair warning, right? Yeah. Not my cup of tea. Either. Yeah. That's horrifying. Is it horror? I think not. And it's. And I want to get to that underlying dread you were talking okay. about. Yeah, yeah. I'm never scared during this movie. In fact, I was pretty fucking bored watching it. Yeah, I mean, let's uh, let's clarify something right now. I don't think either of us think this is a great film. Well, and it's and I and I want to be clear that yes, definitely that. But this isn't even me getting at execution. Right. I think that the point of this movie is not to be a horror movie. It's to speak truth to power in a way okay and we can argue about the success of that and all of that but i think the point of it is not to be horror it's to depict horrifying acts to make you understand it's not to hor- it is not to horrify you the acts themselves are just horrifying so so you're talking about the the intention right uh, i think okay. the intention going in is not uh to be a horror film and i i i will agree with you on that point because actually in an interview with IndieWire in 2000 mm-hmm. mary heron actually said young men would be disappointed in this film because it isn't because they're expecting a horror film yes. and it's not yeah. so the director and so word of god that yeah like but <clears throat> but people can be wrong about their own work and or works can be interpreted exactly yeah, yeah. and that's totally fine we can say okay the word of god is that it's not and that's debatable because things take on new life and all of that correct yeah, yeah. but i am going to agree with her okay and uh, it, yeah, because and i think it is not it is not a horror movie in any sort of traditional sense, uh, which I don't want to be beholden to, but it's also not a horror movie in this sort of new sense that I think we're trying to get at. So it doesn't make itself out to be, I don't think, something that is a through line of, of dread and concern and worry. And a lot of that is because it's shot from his point of view. Right. Not literally from his point of view, but... But it, he, is, it's, he is the protagonist that we follow us through. Right. Which is, again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into a little bit when my own opinion for why this is horror sure and that's i understand like yes i agree like following through this the protagonist who is the the main the main right. threat of the film except for one further threat that i will talk in, in, a, in a sure in a second when when you're watching the movie as a as a whole mm-hmm. and you sort of you feel for especially the women that uh, mm-hmm. are his victims 
you start to sympathize with them more and they become more of the audience surrogate, which right. makes, you know, you afraid for them, which makes you afraid, um, horrified. Yes. And so that really is what clinches it for me in the horror genre with the exception of one more thing, which again, yeah. we'll talk about. So something I want to contrast this with okay. is a movie that has a very similar idea. And that was the 2013 remake of Maniac. Which, okay. So it's, fucking brilliant okay. um, it's literally shot point of view from oh, Elijah Wood's point of view okay and you are in his head and the horror comes from two spots the first one is you know he's the villain but you are having to reconcile it within yourself because you're literally looking through his eyes got it uh, so it makes you vis-a-vis if, camera right right yeah so it makes you the actor uh, the, the perpetrator of these horrible acts because right. he does kill he's a serial killer like he kills women Use it, puts their scalps on mannequins and all that shit. It's, Fun it's times. super fucked up, but it's super fucking great. Yeah. Uh, it's a really, really great treatment of the original was fun, but in horribly misogynist and like openly like the director is like yeah no women are awful um so they remade it 30 years later and with elijah wood in the lead which is already like okay yeah he's super cute but he also already played a serial killer before in uh in uh sin city yeah we're talking Mm -hmm. uh no Um, so he plays creepy really well it's a good choice he's he's such an adorable man and you never see him except through in mirrors mirrors, for one mistake shot where there's a third person shot and it's stupid it's every movie has mistakes it's fine it's fine it's fine (laughs) You okay? <laughs> no. Uh, never. It's a pre-existing condition. Got it. So where it succeeds is one is one that you're having to reconcile. The horror comes from reconciling yourself with these acts. Okay. Because by being forced to, and I, I'm going to be very, very beat over the head with this, but by being forced to watch the acts through your, your own eyes, and that's with air quotes around it because, again, this is an audio medium and not visual and I'm an idiot. You're having to watch it through your eyes, right? Right. And you're doing these things. And that that and is a, a powerful thing to do. Yes, and this movie doesn't do that. Again, I, I, I think this movie fails in a lot of ways mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to, you know, we're talking about the plot beats and everything. Yeah. And it doesn't, you don't get that same sense with Patrick. Right. You don't really feel like you were perpetrating these acts. You don't think that, you don't really, he's, he's such a hard character to mm-hmm. even sympathize with that yes. you're not feeling through him. But I don't think that, again, I don't think that his actions are necessarily what make what the the general horror of this film but right. more of i'm gonna get into the, i want to get into the ending here yeah. uh more of the looming question of can white men in america get away with anything right so the ending here is left somewhat vague yeah and, pretty ambiguous yeah because you um, don't even know if patrick bateman exists and he even says explicitly at the beginning of the movie he doesn't and sure, right but yeah. i think it's a much more interesting and better from our argument read of because you said like it's not Paul Allen's apartment I'm like oh no that is Paul Allen's apartment right it's just his lawyer covered everything up I see he's like literally and again refuses to even acknowledge him because he mm-hmm. needs to distance himself all of his acts have been swept under the rug with zero repercussions right and this is yeah this is just making a statement of powerful white men getting away with anything sure and I think the true horror in here, like that reveal at the end, mm-hmm. like he's he can't get any punishment, and that right. upsets him. The one, it makes it makes the audience question everything, right? And two, it comes into making hopefully, I, and like that's why I, I think making it so ambiguous kind of failed here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a much more interesting and more horrifying read to me. Just be like, 
yeah, you you white kids that look like this, like go on a murdering spree, be yeah. horrible to women, do all of this, and nothing bad will happen to you. Sure, and that is to me a deeply unsettling prospect. Yeah, uh, and I think that in addition, adding adding that theme in with the thematic elements is what pushes this in the horror genre for me. Okay, you know, you yeah, know, uh, and I get what you're saying. So I definitely see what you're talking about, like that obfuscation, and that is something that we had touched on. That obfuscation yeah. is a thing, and I want to get to one. More, I want to get to that in, a, in two seconds. Okay. Um, the last thing I want to say is like, okay, again, comparing this to Maniac. When I talk about dread, I also just mean uh, fear for other characters. I'm never scared for anybody in this movie because I know what's going to happen to them. There's he's not going to fuck up. I, w- I would say the the one exception to that would be his secretary. Yes. Yeah, I feel like you, and this is again why I feel like you are genuinely scared for her. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And that may, that might just be me because I wasn't and I couldn't remember if he killed her. Oh. And oh, so, okay. So I, you... I couldn't remember and I was also like, he's not going to. She's going to survive. This is going to be fine. Oh, okay. I see. Do you think maybe on a first viewing you would have a difference? Maybe. Uh, and that's and that's the hard part about this is like going back and re-looking at things. And this is something that like I've had a lot of people tell me that they don't think horror is that interesting or like they don't want to re-watch a horror movie because they already know what happens or they know the twist. I'm like, well, th- I understand that. But if the twist is the whole point then it's a bad it's a poorly written movie exactly I agree I agree with that as well and I think also but there, have you heard about the spoiler paradox how like they they some people enjoy movies more when they already know the ending uh, I, I'm like that a little bit I'm like that too so yeah I, I just was never I'm not sure what, how it would be on a first watch and maybe maybe the tension would rise a little bit more I think um, the tension's relatively high in this film I, I and see I disagree because I just never felt it at all and again that may be inoculation like I do watch a lot of these and like, I understand that there is a certain amount of like yeah inoculation like I, I've been inured to use a right. nice three dollar yeah. word to this feeling but I, I haven't been because I watched something the other night that scared the shit out of me uh, uh, what was yeah. it? Uh, it comes at night oh okay tension throughout yeah uh, and I'm not even sure that it's a horror movie. I okay, think okay. it kind of might be, but it just was like a superbly tense movie. We should go on this podcast that my friend Topher is doing. Oh, called, sure. Yeah. Oh, cool. Horror Babes, yeah. He has a whole segment on yeah, it. Yeah, can, uh, can you hook me up? No. Oh, fuck. Um, All these so, but, promising uh, ends. Clout chasers, man. Talking about a tension a little bit more, I feel like the some of the most tension you feel, oh, again, really would have been a better payoff if Willem Dafoe's detective character had played a bigger role. If it had panned out at all. He, it, it, the, he, the character completely drops off, and I think that was a huge mistake for the film. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a, a, a scene cut that, like... But that there, there should be higher tension there. Yeah. But I was going to say that the tension isn't always with the women either. Uh, the tension in the, final, in the mm-hmm. final scene... Yeah. You're starting to feel tense for Patrick Bateman. Uh, and then that... A reveal towards the end is sort of this payoff of the tension that you felt in the scene previous, which I think adds to the horror elements of this film. Sure. So I'd love for you to like sort of give me your defense of this as a horror movie. Like give me okay. like a nice encapsulation of like so this uh, thing, this thing, this thing. Yeah. Right. So again, the thematic elements, uh, horror thematic elements when you're coming in here, uh, looming threat, which not only just Patrick Bateman himself, right. but everything around him and men in general. Mm-hmm. The tension you feel uh, for again for the women for for Patrick Bateman and I wasn't I mean how to put this in one thing it really is I mean like I said it really is the horrifying aspect of just watching these men get away with anything sure and that the horror is that this speaks truth to power right yeah sure and and how and how unsettlingly real it is very yeah that you that, that it's a heightened version of what we've 
likely believed to be true. Not to be conspiracy theorists about it or whatever, but I'm sure that this was not not so distant from the truth as to be a lie. And again, I'm not speaking about the book at all because this is definitely like where right. the female voice of from Winifred Turner and Mary Heron, like their female voice really shines through at this point. It does. And that's what I think really, and I think that should be the takeaway from the film. I think the takeaway should be we should be afraid of people like this. Yes. And that fear comes out and I think that pushes it for me into the mm-hmm. into the horror genre. Not necessarily, not the slashing, not that like it's like like it's 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 got the basics of a slasher slasher film, but it's not right. a slasher film. Uh, it's more just this is something that we see every day mm-hmm. and we should be more afraid of this. Got it. I, I see that and I, I understand that. Here's what I'm gonna throw out to you. Do it. It's all a joke. It's not so there, there's there's that, that there's looking at it through that lens where it's horrifying. The other lens acknowledges the horror horrifying elements of these men and that the fact that the the presence of these types of men in this category of men is a horrifying thing to exist in the world but i think the movie's laughing at them laughing at laughing at the men yes interesting and here's my sort of defense for that so i'm going to call this a dark comedy well you know it was listed as a comedy on netflix for a long time it was yeah and it's listed as like a psychological thriller elsewhere and i've already gone it's nothing it's It's not a meaningless like i've said there's like a few movies that really do actually fall into that and it would we we don't need to go into that again. I've already been on record about that. Yeah, okay. um, go back and listen to the Jaws episode if you're curious. The obfuscation, the interchangeability of everyone, is a joke about them. And then you're seeing it through the lens of one of these people who just really, really thinks that he's so fucking important. And the joke is that he's not. He's nothing. He's no one. The reason, like we talked about, all their cards say vice president. They're all VPs. All their cards look the exact fucking same. This one's Romalian type. This one's yada yada type. Right. Is, all the typefaces look the fucking same. They're all like a strong yeah. serif in small caps yeah. or blocks. They're all variations on off white. One has a little texture to it. One's glossy. One's got a. It's got name. a watermark. Yeah. Like all of those things. Yeah. Their apartments all look the same. Like he's talking about how much nicer Paul Allen's apartment is than his. As an outsider, yeah, it looks you, the fucking same look, to, me. To, to us. It looks the same, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, they're they're all nice because we'll never be able to afford it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and <laughs> all apartments look the same from the ground. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that this interchangeability and like the fact that like I think that's why the Willem Dafoe character is one of my favorite parts of the movie. Not just because it's very well acted by confusingly large penis Willem Dafoe, <laughs> but because he like lets Bateman off the hook. Bateman did the murder and again air quotes there he he supposedly killed him we watched him kill him right but the joke is he didn't even die or maybe he did or maybe he never existed like okay. all of these things like they all confuse each other for each other all the time his own lawyer is like no you're not patrick bateman well patrick- i also i also think that's a front but okay yeah. so, so let me ask so i can I, I see the like i love the i love the realism take on this that yeah. you were saying like okay yeah no he clean his is a his lawyer was his like fucking his uh, fixer. Yeah, exactly. He like fixed him up. He's like, you know, get Which, cleaner. Again, there, get another change hor- the lease. Another that. horrifying implication there is that they're prepared for this. Like this yes. is not the first time this has happened. Yeah. Uh, which I think is another uh, very horrifying aspect to think about. Definitely whereas, like, is. if if it takes one phone call and a mission of guilt for everyone sure. gets something in the, in the rug, then they're dealing with this all the time. 
Yeah, and it, it that puts it into more of like a cabin in the woods territory, I would say, like where it is like okay, which where, again, not a horror film. I think we'll disagree there, but that's a different podcast. Really? Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah, very good comedy film. That's also a met, it's a meta comedy that is uh, meta horror, but also horror. Okay. Uh, right, it, right. it it exists in two spaces simultaneously. Uh, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I could I could I could go both ways. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, okay. But um, cabin in the woods, Cap and Crunch, Cap and Bateman. Got it. Back. We're back. <laughs> <laughs> Cap and Bateman? Yeah, got it. Okay. <laughs> it was flawless. Real good. Well, let me ask you, do you think he did the murders? Do you think he did not? Or do you think it matters? I don't think it matters. Okay. Uh, and I think that's... So, like, when viewing this as... This is something that I came to this time, watching it and, like, going through my notes and, like, analyzing it. I think it is just a joke. That, like, it, she's, it, it's belittling these men who are so little. Or not even belittling them. Exposing how little they are. Okay. That's what I should say. It's not... Like, I, I mean, she can't punch down at people who are, in a societal sense, considered to be above her, right? And I, I mean, Mary and Guinevere, mm-hmm. the two of them cannot punch down here. This is punching up. Right. But it's not belittling because they're not making them small. They're just exposing the fact that they are small. And that's a, it's, it's a subtle difference, but there is a difference there. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. And so I think that the joke is, yeah, that they are just like the obfuscation comes from the fact that they're all interchangeable. The, and like the the planner reveal with Chloe Sevigny is supposed to suggest, I think, that it all happened in his head. That he didn't actually yeah, do these some, things. I've I've heard that argument before. And I again, I, I, I don't buy It's a little that. boring. It's that's I think it that's just... It's a it's a it's a reveal that everybody's like, oh, that's so interesting. Like, it's so cool if it all if you imagined it all. It's like, no, dude, we've been done with it. it was all a dream since yeah, it, that it's, track. it's all a dream is the worst possible thing you can do in a film, uh, uh, with few exceptions. Yeah, yeah, there's a couple, but, but like, it's got to be done well, and like, it's an easy out. Yeah, but I I never felt that way when I saw the the planner reveal. I always just felt it was just her coming to realization that this person who she admired in a lot of ways, and in the book is he. he he says she's so fucking in love with me right yeah which of course he would say that probably about any woman but uh he does in fact say about several yeah yeah but she does kind of admire this guy and yeah she definitely gets played that she looks up to him to real to realize that he is a very troubled person right that's a more interesting read than a real to the audience that like because that what does that even mean like just because he draws stuff down doesn't mean he's actually doing anything it's that he so this is where we can talk about the mental health aspects of this. Okay. Um, this is another movie where schizophrenia is portrayed very, very poorly. <laughs> Interestingly, not... it's not the worst one I've seen. Right. Midsummer would be that. Okay. I really hate Ari Aster. I thought I was uh, man. I thought I was gonna make it another podcast I'm talking <laughs> shit about Ari Aster, but I can't do it. He sucks. <clears throat> no, no opinion. That's the correct one for me to have, but here I am ruining my career Uh, (laughs) so he takes a bunch of medications that are designed to treat uh schizoaffective and anxiety disorders are you getting this info from the book no no you see that you see the but uh, you only see him take the pills once nope several times oh really Mm -hmm. i only really caught him taking the pills at the very end of the uh, movie when he's calling it's exposed more there but he he takes his pills several times um in the book he does like there's more of it. Like he goes, where's the fucking lithium at uh, Got it. Yeah, Courtney? Yeah. I think is her name. The one he's having an affair with. Yeah. Evelyn's yeah. best friend who's dating Lewis Crothers. Right. Uh, Matt Ross. Right. Um, so he does like, it's, it's a thing that like, it's a nice visual trick and it's one that you, I, I appreciate that this was done subtly. Like it's that you didn't notice that he was taking pills almost throughout the movie. I, I didn't notice that. Yeah. That's well done. 
but because it should be like it should be an underlying thing mm-hmm. it shouldn't be like a big fucking shot of fucking um here's these pills yeah it's not fucking out of van just right right in your fucking face yeah um but yeah so he does take a series of uh, prescriptions that i'm forgetting the names of right now because i forgot to write them down but yeah there is a series of these things and it's all exposed it's all to expose him as somebody who is mentally ill and is not able to uh reconcile reality with right what's happening uh the reality inside their brain with the reality outside of them. Right. Um, there's a real like Cartesian situation here. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's funny that we're doing this the same month that Nicole is reading uh, this story I love from uh, Nikki Esposito, uh, an author I've been in contact for a while, and she wrote uh, Briar House or Briar Rose uh, Drive, um, which is a a story about uh, someone who is schizoaffective living in uh, a high functioning schizophrenic living in. LA and like okay. going back through the murder of her childhood friend and her inability to remember things correctly. There's gaps, there's fill ins, there's things that, like that. Is she okay? So, one of the things that can happen, and this, I'm not saying this is the worst depiction I've seen because there are good versions of it, it's, it's, it's depicted semi accurately, right? Or at least more accurately than I've seen in other things. He's not he's not dissociative he's filling in gaps in his memory right. with things that he thought he did okay so that's where the the planner argument can come in is that okay. like throughout american psycho we do see him we're we're seeing what he's filling in during lost time something like a fugue state or something like that or just a gap in his memory right and what we're the plot that we see the slasher plot right. is just what he thinks happened but it's not what actually happened okay that is that's all to go in on this i, I think frankly boring interpretation but right. uh it I, does like, it I, does need to be addressed that like okay it let's stop having mentally ill people kill everyone they're more in danger than they are a danger to you very My, yeah. and like I, I will say we are more in danger than we are a danger to you right. it's frustrating as hell um <laughs> like the amount of times that like bipolar and schizo uh, schizophrenia are used as like as excuses for why in, this person is films. horrifically violent exactly yeah, yeah it's, it's annoying it's unhealthy it's a it's yeah. a it's it's a big problem with the, the horror genre at large. It, I agree, but so. again, uh, I mean, with like, there, I'm not saying that like, like there is precedent in the film. Mm-hmm. That he has a hallucination at the ATM, right? Uh, so I, there definitely is gaps that he's filling. Yes, and because that's what the brain does; it yes. fills gaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess my interpretation of the film it hinges on the idea that he was actually committing these crimes. Sure, and I think that's I think that's a more interesting interpretation. That I agree. I. Because I, I'm, fr- I, again, I'm just bored by people fucking around with mental illness. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's, but I think either yours or mine is a more interesting interpretation than that. Uh, they yes. both might be wrong. <laughs> but does it matter? Yeah. Probably at some point. Who cares? <laughs> it's, it might be wrong, but I don't give a fuck. Right. Yeah, that's, that is my thesis statement, huh? Okay, so. Seems accurate. <laughs> the reason, yeah, so I, the reason I don't think it's a horror movie is that it is, I think, a big joke. And I think it's a good okay. joke. Um, okay, and it it's to me a better joke than a than a horror movie. Okay, uh, and that's kind of why I choose to land on that side of it. I think it is open for interpretation. Like like I said, I wouldn't we wouldn't do this if it wasn't. And again, like my argument hinges on a very specific interpretation of it, and because my own relationship with horror is very different than yours, right? So my my idea of horror is a little more potentially open ended. Yeah, or uh, maybe not as. Because I haven't delved into the genre as much as you have. I haven't That's taken fine. part in creating the genre like you have. 
uh, in writing and whatnot. Right. So I don't have maybe the same structural or or, uh, or set of sure, rules. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. and I'm not, I'm not saying that like I'm not trying to say that you're locked into a set of rules. No, or no, 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 you're not. But uh, for me, I come at it from a much looser idea of of horror. And that's great. I mean, that's like a lot of this. Like I'm I would never outside of like. I would never before four whiskeys and feeling frisky yell that I know everything about horror and that I'm right about all of it. But uh, you would after four whiskeys and feeling frisky. I would be more likely to. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. For fun. Yeah. Because who, who doesn't love a hot take? They're so fucking fun. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but what I mean to say is that like, again, I wanted to do this and I'm mostly doing this segment. Like when we have, when we're going to have guests on just the standard horror babes movie. Podcast, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going to be people who are more like involved in the genre who came to yeah, us yeah, with yeah. movies that they like fucking love. Like uh, Charlotte's going to be on, Bianca's going to be on like all these people who like are having been, have been engaged in the genre itself and also in creating it. Like you said, right. Like people who really, really give a fuck about the genre who yeah. are deep in it. Like we mm-hmm. are, that's why we want to have them on there. Cause we want to have that sort of, uh, professional, very like pedagogical discussion about this right. stuff, and have fun doing it. But like, yeah. we want to be, like, you want to be a professional. You want to be an expert when you come on to that sort of thing. This is all about having somebody come in and bring the, the whole point of it being a question is like, okay, yeah, no, like I don't want to always have on a big fucking horror nerd. Right. I'm uh, just a nerd in general. Yeah, you are, and you happen to like horror sometimes. Yeah, and that's sometimes. fucking great. Like Matt's the same way. Matt's a fucking giant nerd. He watches Supernatural every goddamn night. But like he's not deep in the horizon. So that's what I want to come at. It's like, it's like, it's like when you get too mired into it, you start to lose sight. Start to lose sight. And yeah. I, I think a perspective is, is an issue sometimes. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that you necessarily have this problem, but it is, I, I agree that like being able to step back and listen to somebody like me who is probably talking out of their ass more than they should. Go for it. Uh, that was a really funny scene in Ace Ventura. <laughs> was it? I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is in a comedy podcast. Um, or a put com- put, uh, podcast comedy. about what comedy is. We're this not is doing a, comedy or not? It's not called Joke or Nah. Joke. Okay. Joke. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I mean, uh, my perspective is definitely, I've, I've stepped out. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm somebody coming in with, like I said, like I just, I, I just think this movie is terrifying in, 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 a, in a lot of ways that, and I think anything for me that is terrifying, I think anything that like really unsettles me to sure. a core, I would put that as a horror. Anything, I would put that as horror for sure. And, you know, things like we talk about aliens. Yeah. Aliens doesn't terrify me. Sure. Alien terrified me. Right. Uh, aliens doesn't. Um, yeah. And uh, this movie, just the general thematic finish to it, mm-hmm. like I said, of just fucking white people uh getting <laughs> white men rich white men opulence yeah. just getting away with anything just uh being able to live a consequence free life while everybody else suffers yeah. below you that is terrifying to me mm-hmm. and that's why i would yeah definitely should be yeah and i and I, I would agree with you up and it's it's so funny it's like we i think we agree right up until the very the cut yeah uh is that like oh yeah this thing these things are horrifying this is a terrifying prospect this is potentially a very real thing uh right. and all of that freaks me the fuck out and also checks out but at the end of the day i still think it's a very very dark joke and and and, and that's and it's I, an expose more than it is a and that's an interesting take yeah. on it. i i do i like that take i like i like the idea of it being a joke yeah i and I, I, I seem to think I think they're kind of terrible. I also like I like the I like the reading of of these two women, mm-hmm. like exposing these men for what they are. Yeah, that's great. Um, Interchangeable, mean, meaningless nothingness. It's, right. It's showing the nihilism of their experience. Right. 
while fail while they fail to realize that they are nihilists. Like it's it's a then this and like nihilism is a huge theme. We could go all into that, but I don't want to do be on this podcast for six hours today and I have to be at work. And yeah, yeah I don't want to so. keep it too much. We'll, <laughs> we'll we'll talk about nihilism another day. Yeah, yeah. Where we'll just um, sit in a room and not say anything <laughs> for two hours, just stare into the abyss. <laughs> I do have black walls in my apartment. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it's interesting because like this, I, the one thing I do want to say about it is like nihilism was a huge theme right uh, at this period. Like, yeah. so to put it in cultural context, um, this is when Big Lebowski came out, which is a uh, sort of the beginning of the Cohen's nihilist movement. There was there was Fight Club, there was American History X, there was American Beauty. Like all of these movies are very very nihilistic. American they, American American, you know that? American yeah. History X, American Beauty, American Psycho. And there's a lot of things we could talk about with that too. I think that that is an interesting thing to do. Like it, it's it's not really the point of this, but it's fun to mention and discuss well, the, later. Yeah, I mean, well, just quickly, these problems are specifically American. Yeah, they very much are. Like Canadian is, yeah. Psycho would be a very different movie. <laughs> just some guy who doesn't hold the door and apologize at a yeah, fucking exactly. Tim Hortons. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's the whole movie. Yeah, so it's it. No, I think you're. It, I do like that joke. Uh, <laughs> no, I think these are very American issues, and it was something that the culture was dealing with at the time where it was the you know, end of the millennium, and there was money everywhere, and right. we were in a giant booming economy, and nothing mattered, and all of it was fine. And you see those three things on three. I, it's in, oh, fuck, I've never thought about those movies as a trio. Fuck. Because American Psycho is about the ultra wealthy, American Beauty is about the middle class, right. and American History X is about the working class. That's an uh, interesting take on it. Yeah, I never thought about it either. Yeah, I've got a. Th- I don't need more work to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry that my genius, you know, yeah. insight into this is just ruining You're your day. You're never coming back on here. Oh, okay. We'll see <laughs> People are going to be clamoring for more of me. Oh boy. No, they're not. <laughs> be the first. Um, <laughs> I'm being so mean to you. I'm sorry. No, this is what we do. <laughs> it's cute. It's adorable. Any final thoughts? Uh, final thoughts. Um, you put me on the spot here. It's fine. You don't have to have any. I mean, again, I just, for me, general themes of terror, general mm-hmm. themes of uh, how fucked up America is, yeah. and why that terrifies me, and why it should terrify more people. Yeah. Um, and I think this was, oh, I mean, talking about uh, Fight Club, I think it's another movie that came out in that era that was completely the point was completely misunderstood by yeah such a huge audience oh for sure i uh, i've met so many fucking frat dudes in college who exactly were like, who i mean it's wanted it's, to be bateman exactly i mean it's the same type of people that are throwing wolf of wall street parties yeah not realizing like no that's not something you're supposed to aspire to right i guess when we were in college it was the gatsby parties too yeah <laughs> which yeah fuck the great gatsby that's in my hot take sorry <laughs> um there's better Fitzgerald shit yeah zelda stuff yeah, yeah, <laughs> that he stole. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So that's a uh, that's that's my take. Yeah, yeah. So I guess like to sum it up, to make it a little more satisfying at the end, just to sort of give like a complete summation of sort of what we talked about today, like American Psycho, plausibly horror, maybe not. Depends on the I guess the take you have, like it, it, from the perspective you view it as. And like we, I came into this knowing this was gonna be fucking murky. Like right, Jaws yeah. was kind of an e- Jaws was a no, softball. This is definitely like uh, a, 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 I told you I, from the beginning. Like I fendangled a lot of this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's. I think that there's ways to make it work. I'm gonna say just sort of on the surface, not a horror movie. And that's fine. On analysis, maybe sure. or a joke or both. Like I'm like I said earlier, I think it these two ideas can be commensurable. And I, I think agree. that they are to a bit that like it sh- you should be horrified by it, but you should also laugh at them. Okay. Yeah. I um, agree. Yeah. And what did we learn about horror today? <laughs> well, we learned that my, my personal take on horror, which if anybody's interested in that, that'd be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they click download already. So 
Yeah, I think that that's really yeah. What we learned about horror is that like okay, yeah, it is sticky, it is tough, and that's it's. I don't want to be. Uh, I don't want you to feel like you're listening to like something that's just up its own ass, and that we're just tricking you into listening to us jabber for fucking two hours because we are at one forty-seven right now. Oh yeah. So I think that what we learned is that yeah, it, it is there is a place where horror and horrifying come apart and that, okay. that's just going to be more investigation. I think that, that this was a good way to sort of start that thread. Yeah. Again, because Jaws was a softball. Jaws is pretty... There, there's some debate about it, but it's generally... I, I think it's pretty easy to defend that as a horror movie. Right. I think this one's pretty hard to defend as a horror movie. I think okay. I respect the work you did on it. And Thank I, you. And it's also not easy to pick apart as one because I'm like, no, 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 it does tick this box, tick that box. And I think it's... There's going to be movies that are going to exist in the gray. Um, yeah. And at the end of the day, I think that that's just kind of what this is. It yeah. does really fall into that gray area between is this or not. It's an interesting watch. Uh, it's it's actually it's a pretty boring watch, but it's with a, with all this I context think it's in mind. Fine. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I think that's sort of my my take on this is that this is this really does live in that sort of fuzzy gray area between yeah. things. Um, it's not clear to me. I'm not. I'm not willing to like stake my flag that like no, this could never be considered a horror movie. I'm not sure if I can stake my flag in this. Like, 100% is a horror movie. Yeah. But again, my interpretation is different than a yeah. lot of people are going to say about horror. So yeah, and I think people, a lot of people would think that like okay, like a gray ending is a letdown. But I fucking love a gray ending. We all love Jelly Bendo in Knights of the Old Republic, the gray oh, Jedi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> it took me a second, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm there, right um, there with you, buddy. Gotcha. I think that that's. I hope that they, I hope that's not unsatisfying. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go back my words real quick. I am gonna stand firm on my on my decision, and if you don't like that, you can fight me. Okay, you know where to find me. Yeah. Okay. He's kind of tall, but he's not that strong. That's it. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Joseph, oh. shit the plug. You are a dope bartender. You are a dope photographer. Yeah, I mean, if you Google my name, Joseph Poinsky, you can probably find my Tumblr. <laughs> <laughs> Do I want to? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I got some good work on there. Oh, that's uh, right. That's where you do put a lot of your work. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, besides that, yeah, I'm just, uh, just yeah, I, I bartend. If you know where I work, come, come through and I'll make you the best goddamn drink you've ever had. That's actually true. I, I'll back that up. He's pretty fucking good. No, I'm just up my own ass again. Hmm. <laughs> well, you know where to find us. Uh, we are at Horror Babes Pod on Twitter, at Horror Babes Podcast on Instagram. We have a website, Horror Babes podcast.com where you can find all of our episodes uh links to things photos of us notes about future projects i have been topher pridgen um and yeah and thank you so much for having me on this was absolutely dude so much fun thanks coming by yeah early in the fucking morning it is early for both of us (laughs) that is true if we ramble it's because we're probably too caffeinated yep yeah all right babes well goodbye